0: Successful onboarding leads to long-term success. That principle applies to users, employees, and even freelancers that your business works with. Eric Dotti, content lead at Doc, knows this firsthand as a content freelancer and now as someone who works with freelancers. Today, he shares his freelancer onboarding template for marketing teams. In this Marketing Pops episode, you'll learn, first of all, common mistakes that marketing leaders and teams make when working with freelancers, second, the advantages of successfully onboarding freelancers. Third, Eric's process and template for onboarding freelance writers. And number four, a career power-up that's helped accelerate Eric's career. Before I get started, I've created a free power-ups cheat sheet that you can help apply and use Eric's freelance onboarding template. You can get it for free at marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! your host gravely john thank you so much for coming on the show i'm super excited to be talking to you about onboarding freelancers now you've had quite a, a great experience around this you know you've had uh you know several years of experience as a freelance blog, blog writer and seo consultant but as well as you have had content leadership roles at butter and now at doc i'm curious like what was like what was the reasoning behind you creating this onboarding doc? I feel like there's a horror story <laughs> or something <laughs> behind you, know? you. Like I'm not entirely sure. I'm guessing there is. Like uh, I was like you got on, you got taken on as a freelancer, and then it just. Oh, I'm curious. Is there a story behind you creating? what uh, creating this on uh, yeah. freelancer onboarding. Yeah. So I
1: I think there's there's painful horror stories on both sides for like most in-house content lead type people and who work with freelancers and then being a freelancer. So like I, I've been a freelance blog writer for B2B SaaS companies like, I don't know, eight, 10 years now. And th- the hardest part of doing that is that, you know, being a freelancer is you're not like embedded in the company like a normal content marketer. So you don't know the product very well. You don't know the customer very well. You're just sort of, you're normally given, like my typical experience is you get plunked into some project management tool, like Asana. Uh, you get like a notification that Google Doc was shared with you. It's like, you know, topic, keyword one, keyword two. Oh no. 1,000 words.
0: <laughs> that's like the brief, like, the content brief. Go. Yeah, 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 that's
1: the content. And it's like, go. And that's like your first interaction with the company. Or maybe they send you like a 25 page pdf that's like here's our style guide here's our really particular grammar things we care about that you'll never remember once you are 1000 words into a blog and you know like 25 pages of like super esoteric requirements or or something super broad like every company's style guide says like we write helpful Uh, engaging content that's like, uh, you know, casual in tone, but like authoritative. And, you know, everyone just describes kind of the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, okay, I already do that. Like next, don't even read it. Right. And so, so I found that as a writer, I didn't have enough information to like connect the topic I was writing about in the brief back to the company normally, because I didn't have enough like starting knowledge about the product I was working for. So Sometimes it's easy, like if you're, if you're a marketer writing about marketing, easy, like I know what, whatever. I know what a project management tool does and I know the pain points, et cetera. But if I'm writing for like a sales use case, so at, like at Doc, we're mostly doing sales and onboarding content. And so I'm sort of adjacent to those things, but I don't actually know the pain points of a sales leader if I'm a freelance writer coming in. Um, and so part, part of it is to like help the writers uh, based on my own experience doing that the flip side as an in-house content person who hires freelancers is like the the inverse of that problem. In that you give like an incredible, you're like, okay, I know what a good brief looks like. I'm going to give them a great brief and you give it to them. And then they're like zero mention of your product or like, you know, a very, very poor understanding of a product. Like, um, yeah. And they, they, they don't have the knowledge of like you know, what is the actual, what does it look like to be in there? What, what are the things it actually does? Who are the people it serves? All those kinds of questions that don't necessarily aren't going to be answered in a brief about one particular topic. Like, so you kind of need to do two, you need to do this initial education of like, here's who we are, here's what we care about, our customers, our content strategy, here's what good content looks like, et cetera. And then get into um, like, here's an actual assignment. So there's, there's like pre work that has to happen before the actual work. And most I find, on both ends, most people skip that.
0: I feel like this is all like, you know, Doc is like onboarding. I wrote a book about user onboarding. And like like onboarding is all about like setting up people for success. And like this is exactly what you're talking about. Like, you know, who you're talking to, what tone do we speak to them, what is our product, all of that stuff really just sets up the, the, that person, that writer for for success, essentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the flip side is like... We, compared to user onboarding if you don't have a nice onboarding process then you're going to have to have a really like heavy customer success process right where you're constantly answering support tickets yeah, you're always trying right. to like wedge <laughs> in there to like upsell or whatever like you're going to have to have so much you're creating more work for yourself by not just setting the client up for success or the user up for success in the beginning and it's kind of the same so like if if i can invest this is sort of a flat piece of time to make an onboarding guide for our writers. And of course, I go through and adapt it every once in a while, like we might launch a new product, or I might change my standards on something or whatever it is. Um, but that's mostly just an upfront cost that, that I can always then just like pass that over to the writer. It saves me so much editing. Like every time I edit a blog post, like where do you 8 to 15 blog posts a month, if I can save myself even Half an hour, a post for one month that pays off the time I spent putting into making that guide. Right. So, and now I do. You know, I'm saving hundreds of hours just making sure the writer is equipped with like how to make the connections between the topic and and our company, and and you know, speaking with the right to the right audience and things like that.
0: I just want to reiterate what you said there. It saves you so much hours as like the person who's onboarding freelancers because you're not editing. As much would you say that like somebody who's like a freelance writer who's onboarded well versus somebody who's not, the editing on your end that's like the content lead is less. Would, would is that a fair thing to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think with any freelancer relationship, whether you've onboarded them well or not, like you should have lots of feedback in the beginning, and then that feedback should decrease over time. So you're always looking. I mean, the the reason you work with freelancers versus inside hires is normally to save on time or save on costs or both, or maybe you have other reasons about headcount. But that aside, the the whole point is to create some efficiency for yourself, like less people to manage or whatever it is. So if you're not thinking about like, how can I save more time on this process, uh, then you're not thinking about it the right way. And so just to go back to your question, I definitely see a reduction in like the first two or three times we work with somebody after we created this guide. Because I, I thought it might be overkill to do. It's like, once, you, once people look at it, you'll see like there's a lot to read. It maybe takes like half an hour, an hour for people to go through. But it's definitely, um, it also sets expectations on what it's going to be like to work with us. Like we have some stats, like here's how we're going to pay you. Here's how, uh, you know, here's how I'm going to evaluate. Yeah, here's how I'm going to evaluate the, um, your first article with us, like just fill in these sort of gaps too. So it's not just like a writing style guide.
0: Mm. You for- I'll, uh, I'll
1: just wrap up that thought. Yeah. yeah. Just because I think a lot of being a freelancer, there's so much uncertainty, right? There's, you don't know like when the next paycheck is going to come sometimes. Um, and keeping writers on board with us is a priority or keeping good writers, especially. And so by just sort of, Putting my cards on the table and being transparent about what our processes are like, what it's like to work with us, it then sort of gives them the peace of mind to just do the work well um, or stick around with us or whatever it is. They just feel like I'm a partner with them and not just like this transactional keyword brief sender person uh, who might disappear at any moment.
0: Uh, That's exactly what I was thinking as well. I think it goes back to onboarding users or customers you know, it sets it up for long-term success or retention. And this is what you're just essentially, uh, what I just heard from you is that setting up those, uh, you setting a clear expectation, what success looks like and, you know, how they're going to get paid and and other information. It really helps them feel good about working with you so that when they're thinking about, oh, should I work with Eric from Doc or should I work with this other person that I don't know? I don't know if they're going to onboard very well. They're going to go with somebody that they already have a good working relationship with already essentially. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think there's, you know, there's not complete loyalty in either direction for freelancers and those hiring freelancers, which is okay. I think that's, that's understood. It's sort of part of the agreement, but, um, the, the little things you can do to create relationships, right. That, that are not just so transactional. I think that goes a long way to, it also helps, like, I'm going to give, Lots of feedback on the writing. I'm the same person who's going to be editing the articles. Like, if we can have a little bit of trust in that relationship before I start putting like 200 line edits on your blog, like (laughs) I, I, I hate it as a freelancer when I'm, you know, I've worked with whoever I wrote in this blog post, and then suddenly some random person who didn't make the brief, who isn't the person I'm working with, comes in and makes like 200 edits on what I'm writing, and just tears it to shreds. And I'm like, wait, 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 like these aren't the expectations that were set by this other person. Like, can you clarify? And then I, suddenly I don't trust this person at all. And I just fear this evil editor or, um, and it's really different if you can like be on the same page with, with your writers and, um, you know, yeah. Make sure that that's not so messy and stressful.
0: I actually wanna jump in and talk of, about your onboarding guide for freelancers. I'm curious, what's included in it? I know you put this together as a, uh, I love what you put in your, your one man product-led content team, my dog. You put this together, feel free to share it. And for people who are checking this out on YouTube, they can check the, this out as well, but I uh, will be talking about it here as well. So what is yeah. included in that uh, that onboarding guide?
1: Yeah, so um, for, yeah, for those watching, hopefully we can show it on screen. I'm not gonna screen share at this exact moment, but I'll just sort of walk through what's in there and why it's in there. So we've actually built, part of the reason I made this actually is because at Doc, we make basically uh, workspaces or hubs for working with, for doing sales and onboarding to basically um, pull in lots of resources into one place that makes collaborating with someone easier during the sales or the onboarding process. So the typical use case for Doc would be like, I'm selling you software. Uh, I'm going to have Like a checklist of things I need you to do. I'm going to have a PDF, uh, with whatever, uh, the slide deck I presented to you. We're going to have case studies in there. We're going to have videos embedded in there. It's basically just like a hub for all the sales content. And as a marketer working at a company like this, like I I don't have that sales use case, but I was like, okay, how do I dog food my own, our own product and use it for myself? And so I, I came up with the idea of like this onboarding hub and. I previously would have done it in a tool, probably just like Google Docs or Notion or something like that. But what's nice about Doc, um, so this wasn't meant to be a sales pitch, I'm just prefacing uh, why you know, I'm talking about got, I love um, it. But with, um, with Doc, you, the, the use case is actually to make like a one-to-one for each customer. So you can like throw in the, the customer's name and then copy it from a template and it'll like personalize the, the workspace. So it's just like a one-to-one hub. And you can see when they're looking at it, for example, uh, you can see what content they've clicked on. And so for me, with uh, using it for the onboarding use case for a writer, I'm actually able to see if they went in to the guide, to their personal oh. guide and looked at it. I'm able to see like what oh, content they actually opened. Oh, you can say, like, like hey, Ramly.
0: Ramly, you didn't check this out. <laughs> this is yeah. the reason why this this article sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I never I never like call them out on
0: it, but I know. No, of course. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like okay,
1: <laughs> this person didn't. Right. Uh, you know, I, I shared this article that was a really good example and they you know they didn't click through to it or whatever Mm. so so there's a there was a natural sort of adjacent use case even though this wasn't exactly what doc was built for it's still an onboarding hub so it's perfect for this sort of onboarding case with a writer
0: there's a question do you you customize each like what do you call it doc or docket Uh, or a workspace yeah a workspace do you customize each workspace for each freelancer so it says like hey Ramley here's like yeah. So, some stuff. Oh, so what you cool. can do
1: is is you can make one template that's like your your writer onboarding template, and then you can put in, um, you can add the person as an account, and it, it syncs with HubSpot or something if you have it. But obviously, like normally we'd use it for customers, so I don't have like our freelance writers in HubSpot. But I can add I can add their picture and their name, and then add we we have fields for like freelancer name or their picture, and then like my name and my picture, and I can just copy the template and it'll automatically populate it with all the um, their info so it for in my case it's literally just like hey ramley at the top and that's all that's all i cool. need to do to personalize <laughs> it but uh yeah so at the top of my the guide it just says like welcome to doc excited to work with you here's who i am like here's eric here's my linkedin here's my email um just in case you ever need it bam right at the top here and then um then I jump into an actual checklist of like prefacing like, okay, this is a big, long document thing. Here's all this, the steps that we need to do together to get you onboarded in doc. So, or onboarded as a freelancer. So it's like step one, read everything in this doc. Easy. They can check it off when they're done. Two, sign a contractor agreement. Um, we need we need to send them a like a DocuSign type thing for them to work with us. So um, we... We just want to put all that in here, so they know that that's what's going to happen. I, I'm a, I have lots of freelance clients that don't tell me how they want to pay me, or they leave that up to me, and so, um, so we just sort of put that front and center, and that again, it like takes the uncertainty out of that part. Um, I also give them a link to book a call with me if they want. Not all freelancers take me up on this. Some do. I find it's better when they do. What did uh, they, then and I then can,
0: is it? Do they ask what like what is? Um, just want to get to know you.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. Sometimes that. Some most of the time, though, it's to talk about the first article because when when um, because it's like a test process where I'm going to give them a brief and they're going to write an article. And so normally they'll use that as an opportunity to interview me for the article. Um, and then I have a checklist on like here's our process for these are just laying out the steps for what it looks like to go through one blog with us which is, it's pretty standard, but I think it's nice. Some people don't know, for example, like how many times, how many edit rounds are expected, or, you know, should they tag me in the Google Doc? Should they, you know, all these like annoying little questions I just sort of put out there. So, you know, it's just like, send the brief. I'll send you the brief. Uh, you can interview somebody if you want for the article. Um, I can, or you'll write the draft. I'll give you one round of initial feedback. Then you'll do revisions. And then... I'll do final edits on it and publish it. So I just like put that in the open. Everybody knows that there's going to be two rounds of edits, um, and then and then it's just like and beyond that, you'll invoice us once a month. Uh, we'll pay you for that, and then we'll just work together going forward. So that's that's kind of like laying out the process, right? Um, then the rest of the onboarding guide is basically a bunch of educational content about Doc. So that they understand um, you know who we are what we talk about and then content guidelines for sort of what are our expectations for the content itself so we, we share the actual sales deck that we present to people uh, in, in that guide so they can see our messaging uh, that's we just like embed that as a PDF and they can click through they can see like how we talk about our problem space I give them a bullet list of like here are the main reasons that people choose doc like what problems they're trying to solve for themselves. It's a little complicated because we have a few use cases and we have a few problems people are trying to solve. And that's not immediately obvious if you just click through our website. Like I I find normally that's that piece of content you get given as a writer. It's like, here, go look at our website. Um, And then we also, I include a full 14 minute demo video that our CEO gives of the product. Yeah, so it's like they can kind of like sit in on the sales process, like async um, because of, these these things we give them and i've never been given that as a writer i don't i don't know if that's weird or or maybe it's just something that people don't think about because they're in content and not in like sales or whatever so they don't think about the sales content is helpful for writers but it definitely is um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep riffing unless you (laughs) unless you have a question um then what i what i think is also really useful is I share our product announcements in there. So Doc is sort of it's pieced together by sort of like four or five core products that like make the Doc platform. So I include the intro blog that we wrote, like the announcement blog with a demo video for each of our products. So if, if someone like read through all of those and watched all of the videos, like they would they would know our product and what, what we do and, and all the pieces of it.. Um, sometimes it's not obvious like you know we have a topic about sales proposals or say the blog is about sales proposals like it's not super clear which what the tie-in to doc would be necessarily like you can kind of sort of connect the dots but once you know all the products you're like okay like the order forms product would be really useful for that and then you can because we try to be so product-led in our content where we're like okay here's the thing here's some best practices for it and here's how to do it in doc um, that it's, it would be hard to do that without
0: that having sense. seen the product. Yeah. yeah. Before I continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up growth mode and you have to hit your KPIs, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups and it's a lot to handle. There's demand the gen, email sequences, rev ops, and more. And that's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like profit 2 Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundations for the future, look no further, visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine, or you can also find that link in the show notes and description. Well, that's it for now. Let's get back to the episode. So you're really setting them up for like, what is a product? And then not just like, what is it? How is it useful? Why our customers chose us other, compared, to other cost, uh, compared to other competitors? Mm-hmm. Here's our product lines. And essentially, like, they should know what Doc is by, by this point of this yeah. onboarding workspace. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. And yeah, Um, and then I think the next piece, which is super important in our content that I feel like I loosely, when I'm a writer, I loosely get given the target audience, but it's always, it's always too vague or too general to do anything about it. So for example, like I've, I've worked for like HR, I've done blogs for like an HR software company and the ICP I got was like um, or, like, ideal customer profile was like HR leaders. Like, okay. And that was it, right? It's like, well, okay, what? what <laughs> Just like, a job what, title. Yeah. Like, right? what do they care? Like, w- what do they care about? What problems are we solving for them? You know, I'm assuming there's lots. I've, I know HR leaders, they've got a thousand problems they deal with every day. Like, what are, what are we solving? Right. And so, um, so in ours, we're like, okay, we write for revenue leaders. So, yes, I gave you the job title. I specify. That revenue leaders is like sales, customer success, marketing, revenue ops. Um, and then we specify it's typically people who are like C suite VPs, department heads. But then we specify that like we work best with mid market companies or smaller companies, like under 500 people. And like they often have lots of little point solutions to manage like each of these problems that they have because they can't afford like the big enterprise tools that cost like tens of thousands of dollars a month so they have like one tool for an e signature one tool for a proposal one tool for like um, whatever managing their sales content and so we really want to speak to those pain points of for example that they like this tool can do all of those things for the same cost um, and then and then we also speak to like and then we explain in this guide as well like what are their jobs to be done and what are their pain points with those so just one example would be that like because they're in B2B sales and B2B sales have gotten like really complex with lots of stakeholders. Um, You know, they're selling into, they're selling to a buyer and then they learn halfway through the sales process that that buyer actually has to go internally and convince 15 other people to buy the software. And they don't have a good way of enabling that buyer to enable their, uh, to pitch the product to their own sales team. So, we explain to our freelance writers here at doc that like, that is, that is like the pain point that we should hit on in every single article. There's like buyer enablement concept. Um, and, and how doc helps them do that because it gives them one space to then, um, sort of, they can take a doc workspace and then share that with internally inside their company. And then they become kind of like the internal sales rep and you've given them the tool to do that. So that's just an example of like that, that, topic can come up in every single one of our articles and that would be great like we're we're totally fine repeating that because that's the real pain point and that's what we want to be surfaced and so um so we give them like three or four talking points like that that you say like if this fits for the subject like say it right and i feel like as a freelancer i'll be given samples of content on a company's website but then i don't know like do they want me to say that again do they if, am I? Are they going to think it's plagiarizing? Or are they thinking they're wasting their money hiring a freelancer who just like copied what they said in another article and reworded it? But realistically, now that I'm an in-house content person, I know that that's actually what I want. Like it would be weird if we said something different every time because our, our product does like, you know, it solves, you know, a handful of pain points and those are the big things we should always say. So I think it's giving the freelancer the green light to... Talk about the same things that we've already talked about, and not feel guilty about it.
0: So good. And what one thing I love about this, there's a section here mentioned about like we're less focused, our target audience less focused on job titles, and more about the jobs we done. I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's so good. It's really focusing in on like here are the core problems that our buyers, our our customer, our target audience really cares about. And mm-hmm. if there's any way you can like press that wound deeper in the article somehow or like really like highlight that pain it's so much more effective to convey like um you know uh, how content can can potentially solve and help those buyers uh, with whatever yeah put together for that
1: and we don't expect a freelance writer to be an expert in like what are the pain points of a sales leader because they aren't one um and so (laughs) and and normally what happens is you hire a freelancer and they say as a sales leader, your job is difficult. like you know like every article starts that way, right? it it doesn't it doesn't have like relevant anecdotes or relevant pain points because it it just is like here's the job title I hope you are. Now I'm going to talk about the topic, and so that's why we really want to give them sort of the jobs to be done or pain points. Um, the other point that we bring up in this section about our audience is that I, I think I mentioned it more later, but In in the in the guide, but um, the expertise level of the audience is Mm. is going to be like medium to high, and therefore, like you can actually do yourself a disservice by being too too like one hundred and one with the content. Which like there are, you know, if you're if you're writing for sort of like a project management software where like any user can sign up for the product and. Sort of, you you can do product led growth from there, then great. But for us, like we're, we've, we've learned that if we don't have like a leader, a sales leader or a success leader um, as like the main buying champion, like person reading our article and then contacting our sales team, like it doesn't, doc sales don't happen. So we pretty much just tailor all of our content to speak to leaders. And so, um, you know, you don't need to say, what is a CRM? And then, and say like, in brackets, customer relationship manager, and then say like, a CRM is, uh, where you save. like, you know, they are, they live and breathe CRM that you like, you know, it's, it's that Ron Swanson meme of like, I know more than you. Um, and so, um, so like, but that's important to know because, you know, when you're, especially because we're asking people to write articles that rank well for SEO. And so, you know, the the habit is to say like, what is a sales proposal? And then define it. And it's like, okay, like maybe we want that question in the article, but maybe we're not going to just say a sales proposal is X, Y, Z. We might say a sales proposal versus a quote, like here's what you're trying to accomplish with a sales proposal versus sending a customer a quote or something, something like that, right? Just like take it to a level that shows some opinion or level of expertise that would appeal to a leader or like just treat them as a smart person kind of and not not as like a I don't know I don't know if people normally have a reader in mind but um you know sp- speak to a level of expertise that would impress like your boss and not just um some random reader right and so we we give them the green light to do that and like skip the one-on-one stuff
0: I think that's so important because like if you speak too low people are like this is not for me this is boring or if it's too mm-hmm. high I'm like this this is like I'm not this smart <laughs> or, or yeah. like, you know, like it's finding that balance and you're giving them direction as to like, Hey, you don't have to explain what CRM stands for, because <laughs> yeah. I just know what that is. Cause if you did explain that people are like, it's, is this like, is this is a one-on-one content? I don't feel like this is really content. Yeah. That's for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it as something that you're an expert in. Like if, if you landed on, some product's website, and you're a you're a content or an SEO expert, and they start like defining SEO, and they start explaining like the SERPs, and they explain the, like or what organic traffic is. You're like, all right, this this isn't for me. Like, there's no way in the next 1,000 words, this is going to get to a, a level that is going to provide me a benefit. So you you have to start there, and so yeah, it's just like um, yeah, like I said, just give giving them the green light to skip that
0: stuff. Mm-hmm. That's good, and then I'm guessing you provide some examples of like here are great content and here are some other is that um, included in this in this in this onboarding yep. guide
1: yeah so we we give examples of we have a few different types of articles, so uh, like some some things are mostly written for SEO we still try to make them opinionated and we still try to make them like I said like expertise level we try to integrate the product but I want to give examples of like what I feel are the best articles. Cause sometimes you can um as on the freelancing side, you just pull up sort of the three most recent articles on the site and you're like, okay, here's my quality bar, or like here's the formatting they like, or whatever. And um versus I know on the in-house side that sometimes we'll get an article from a freelancer that I don't love, but it was written. I'll bring it up to some quality standard. I feel like it's fine to publish and I'll publish it because like you have to move on and you have to have some sort of velocity in your content workflow. You can't edit everything forever or, or just like throw it in the garbage. So um, so I don't want any article sitting on the site to be a quality bar. I mean, I, I guess that might be obvious advice, but I'm not often given like here's three pieces that you should emulate when writing this one. Um, and then um, especially when it comes to like our, our software guides. Like I, anyone who knows does content in-house knows that sort of like a software roundup is a good SEO play. So like client soft portal software, and then here's 10, 10 tools that are helpful for this. And it, it tends to rank well, but we try to, again, write those guides in a way that might appeal to leadership in some way that will make a standout from other articles like this. So we try to, like add a layer of opinion to those or we sort tools into categories that were like, you know, if you're a big company, consider these four. If you're a smaller company, consider these four. We try to do something like that in those articles. So that's, that's pretty much the most important example in our case of like, okay, don't copy the software guides that you know, and you've written before. We're going to do it this way, which is slightly differently.
0: That makes sense. And I like also yeah. like how you separated this too, where you know, you have the SEO guides here. Here's the software guides. And I think a little bit lower, you have the thought leadership stuff. So, like, you're very clear as so like, you know, here are different types of content uh, that we are writing and here are examples of each of those types of content, essentially.
1: Yeah. And it's helpful if they see some of our thought leadership um, stuff like that comes from our CEO normally or, like, I'll interview him and write it up, but we don't expect the articles that we're signing out to look like those ones. So I just want to make that clear in case they come across them.
0: Though you do in the content guidelines, you do say, hey, uh, provide a unique angle. I think that's important because like you don't uh, want, hopefully they give something unique and then you're even offer suggestions as to like, if you need some inspiration, look at our value props. So like it's not, um, you know, you're just giving them some freedom essentially to have an opinion
1: created needed art list. yeah, and
0: I actually I normally give
1: them that opinion in the brief. like uh, I do pretty I do pretty detailed briefs, but I'll give kind of a whole outline of the article, but I'll explain like if we're giving tips on like how to send a sales proposal, we'll we'll say, you know it's better not to send a PDF because PDFs it's hard to get forwarded around or they get lost or you need to update a version. You know, so that's an example of, I'll, I'll give the writer that opinion because that probably isn't in any of the other, if they're just looking at the top r- ranking articles in the SERPs from other companies about sales proposals, they'll probably just talk more about the usual stuff. And so we normally have like, I'm, I'm very close to our CEO who's very close to our product team. So I have all these, like, I know all of our unique value propositions in our head, and I can connect them back to the topic much more easily than the writer can, even though they've read all this. And so I try to equip them with that opinion in the brief, and then I make it very clear that like, we want the articles to, to sound opinionated. Um, yeah, like some of these content guidelines are not groundbreaking or anything, but um, we're, we're kind of doing, I mean, I say unique. Maybe everyone's trying to do this, but we, we don't want our SEO-oriented content to just be like basic regurgitation stuff. We, we want, we want it to have Doc's voice in it, even though it's for SEO, because again, we, we hope a leader lands on it and then says, oh, these people really understand sales. They really understand my problems. Um, and so, yeah, so like there's a lot of tips in here, but some of them, like we said before, right for experts, avoid speaking down to the audience, uh, be product forward, you know, lead with your best, lead with your point rather than like putting it at the bottom of a paragraph just sort of tips like that that a lot of good writers will already know but it's good reminders um and then the the big thing that like I mentioned before I normally get like a 25 page guide that has all these writing guidelines or grammar or whatever and like I think I think it's too difficult to make writers change those things like I give really loose writing style guidelines like you know we We capitalize sales if it's referring to the sales team, but we don't capitalize it if it's referring to the word sales. Like, just like a couple little things like that. Um, You know, I I use sentence case for headings instead of title case, and that's that's kind of it. It's like those are the grammar things I do. Otherwise, like it's just my personal like annoying things that how I like to do grammar, and I'm not going to make you do that. Like when writing an article for us. Um, you'll see the edits I give on the first article or two, but I think it's a waste of time to try to like reteach somebody a style guide. And like, I don't care about MLA or Chicago style or whatever, like who cares? It it just needs to, the article just needs to be good. Um, who who cares? Like how you use hyphens or whatever. Right. So, um, so I try to like take the attention away from that. I only have a couple bullet points and put it more on like what, what's our content philosophy kind of thing.
0: That's so good. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, like that's something that they can, I guess, learn over time, like whatever. I know you you have some details here about you know, Oxford comma and like there's no spaces around M dashes, but like yeah. the other stuff, I think having a 25 page just on style guide, <laughs> just just an yeah. overkill a little bit is what I'm hearing here.
1: Yeah, and normally I'll have to bring this up in the first article anyway, but I, I just throw it in there. Um, why not? Yeah and then, and then we just finish our guide with like here's our funding announcement article, here's our um, you know here's an article we wrote in Superpath about our content strategy, uh, here's uh, an example of a doc workspace that someone can go into. We also have some on our website, so um, it's it's free for them to sign up too if they I've had some writers just like create their own doc account and just mess around with it so um and then. I used to share our product roadmap too, just so they could see what was coming in case there was something relevant to the topic that they wanted to ask about, but um, I think it's less relevant now. So I just took it out because this is already a lot. Uh, Yeah, and so that's our writer's guide. And then, so what I, like I said before, I make a copy of this for each person so they can like check off tasks, like steps in the process. Um, They can leave comments on things if they want. They can ask questions Um, and then, uh, yeah. And I can spy on them to know what they're looking
0: at. Do you create one of these for different like types? Uh, I mean, this, this seems like it's fair. Is it fair to say this is more like SEO article focused? then? I mean, I know you're looking for a freelancer for the podcast. Would you create a different type of, uh, I guess you would adjust the, the onboarding guide for them. It's like, here's the link to our podcast. Here's like some articles. Do you do that for like different types of like freelance? Yeah, client? I have
1: i have a couple people who are helping us write pages like our template product template pages so it'll be like on customer onboarding template or sales proposal template etc we have those on our site and that content is slightly different so i made just a different doc template for one of those and uh you know 90 percent of the content overlaps doc actually lets you do a synced section so I can put that section in a template and then if I update update that section one place, it updates everywhere. So I could update up I could update our style guidelines, for example, and it will update across every writer's thing. So um so little things like that. Yeah. So I have I have a couple. I also actually use it to like I when I invite someone to our podcast or our um or to be a case study, I have a doc workspace for those people too that has like a similar checklist or like, you know, tips for being on video or things like that. I know like you sent me a notion um a notion page for the, for this one which which also works but um like you you could do all this stuff in notion too I
0: just Are you trying I'm trying to um, I'm doing it in doc <laughs> cuz I'm trying su-
1: trying to be a good boy
0: <laughs> Should I switch over my podcast planning to doc? <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Get it in there.
0: I like I like it. There's a there's a mention here around how you you you, you focus on mid to bottom funnel content which is super interesting. I guess like Any reason why avoiding, like, I mean, that might fit in. I've been hearing a lot from, let's say, Eli Schwartz that they, you know, especially with generative search and AI, like people should be focusing on mid to bottom funnel content rather than top because AI will answer all the top of the funnel. I'm curious, like, is it just to get more people to sign up or like, is there another reason why you're more focused on mid to bottom? There's a
1: few reasons. Um, Part of it is just capacity and where we are as a company. So we're like a year old, we're still seed stage. We haven't written about all the topics that are directly related to our product yet. So like why venture up into the top of funnel? Um, Competition is a big one, right? Like we're, we're, we're not like a sales tool person. We're, We're in the category of sales tools. We're in the category of customer success tools. Once you, every step up you go in the funnel, you're now competing with Thousands HubSpot. of other, uh, <laughs> yeah, like Hub, HubSpot has written about like almost yeah, every day. top of funnel, yeah, yeah, or, or yeah, or even <laughs> even, even not- like yeah, or like uh, whatever Gong, any any popular tool that yeah, does content, true. like they've already written about it. So yeah, w- we're less likely to have a unique thing to say in those areas. Some of them we're willing to go for it if it's just super relevant to us, uh, and it, it would be weird for us not to have content about it. Cause maybe that content's useful in the sales process or something, even though it's top of funnel. Um, and yeah. And so it's kind of just like, we're just p- putting our bets on more mid bottom. And I'd, I'd say we're mostly focused on the mid funnel. So for us, that's sort of, I, I know that's a super vague term, <laughs> like probably everybody thinks of mid funnel as different, but for, for us, we think of mid funnel as sort of like one step away from being willing to demo the product. So like someone who's trying to build a sales proposal or somebody who needs a, a, to do better, like follow up after a, a sales demo, they need a tool to like house those resources. So, so they might be like, like demo follow up might be kind of, it might sound like a high, like a top of funnel keyword, like sales demo follow up. But for us, that's actually like quite a like job to be done search kind of thing. So so we try to focus on those things. Every once in a while we'll be like, "Oh, there's a a sales term that are comes up a lot that we hear our customers say that we actually looked it up in Ahrefs and there's like no competition for it. So, let's just write an article for it and and hope it helps." Uh, like our best performing articles are are top of funnel ones in terms of traffic, but they're also like the least Useful in terms of converting people. It makes sense, right? Like, that's everyone's experience. So, um, so yeah, we try to stay more, more mid and very like product focused. And um, if, if we can't do like a how to with our product on that topic, it's probably not the right one for us to be writing about yet. Mm. That makes, that makes
0: a ton of sense there. Uh, I'll also add like, on that, on that mm, note, cause like but, we're also
1: doing a podcast on the side mm. where we're doing more just sort of like, generic, not generic is the wrong word, but, you know, uh, broader conversations about like sales leadership or customer success or things like that. So like that, that's more of our like branded thought leadership play. And we do that less on our blog, like that stuff plays better on social probably. And so, um, we don't need to worry about it for SEO right now.
0: That makes, that makes sense there, um, in terms of like iterate, iterating is, um, any, any thoughts on, like, you know, future iterations as, like, what you would want to add here? Or this is good for now for, I'm not sure, the next year? Or, like, yeah. would you slap on, like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm just saying the word AI now. <laughs> <This is something laughs> just say it. If, like, you say saying, it
1: yeah. <laughs> if you don't say it, then,
0: If you don't say it on a podcast, it doesn't exist. But, like, is there, like, uh, any thought process on uh, ideas on, like, what you'd want to see on this in the future if you potentially?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I edit it often just to add, like, if we launch a new product, um, I'll I'll just sort of update the the product knowledge stuff in there. Um, I love for it to be more automated. It's more of, like, a doc mm. software thing. Like, we're, we're eventually going to connect, like, build an API, and then I can connect it with Airtable or a CRM or something. But I can just, like, one-click launch this. Right now, I have to like open doc and then one click launch it, which is like <laughs> that's so many clicks. Uh, but um, I, I think for now, it, it's already quite thorough. I don't want to put too much on the plate. Yeah, of the writer, for sure. And this is already a lot. So, like, it yeah. wouldn't be adding to it. That's for sure. Yeah. Maybe I need like a re education component of like after of six course. months of writing <laughs> for us. It's like, yeah, after six months, it's like, uh, here's a refresher on doc. Just so you know. Um, Interesting. That's cool. Uh, uh, but no, I, f- I find the freelancers are sticking with us long term They They get it and like they they get the product. They're infusing it the right way and I'm, I'm really happy with it. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll revisit this in a lot longer. Maybe if I'm more hands off with the editing process, this would need to be more in depth. But it's a good like starter for people.
0: Well, thank you for sharing this. I'm going to add the link that you shared on LinkedIn uh, in the show notes and description. I think we want to shift gears and talk about career or power-ups. Now, specifically sure. for you, you've had an interesting career transitioning from like research assistant at University of Pennsylvania to being an owner of a Hockey Humor website. I feel like there's another podcast on its <laughs> own <laughs> that attracted <laughs> 1 million page views and like so many followers on social. And now you're a content lead here at Doc. What's a power-up that's helped you accelerate your career? Whether that's something that's more personal, uh, you know, personality or community base, or more like a marketing skill that's helped you yeah. up your
1: career? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's something, it's kind of funny. It's like, what made you successful? Like, that's a really difficult <laughs> question to answer. But, But I think like if I were to contrast myself with other people who are in similar roles to me or in similar jobs and like what made me sort of, I don't know, climb the ladder, if you want to call it that, Um, is I think I've, I always take like a builder mindset rather than, I think a lot of marketers consider themselves like creative types. And I think if you, if you sort of box yourself into being a writer or like a content maker, then you're limiting, you're limiting your growth, but you're also sort of, you're limiting your earning potential and you're limiting like uh, how quickly you can stand out to leadership, things like that. So to, to put this more concretely, like I always try to build workflows and processes that make me able to scale myself like two, three times, which is why I've, I've ended up um, in these like solo content lead roles where it's companies who like they needed marketing team, but they they don't have the budget yet for a marketing team. And they're like, what if we can just hire one person? And so you can open lots of doors for yourself if you're instead of being like i'm going to be a really good blog editor you're like i'm going to be a blog editor who can also build a work, a work like a workflow in airtable that can make this like 5 times more efficient and um and so like you said i i used to be a research assistant at um i was like a linguist i was studying uh I was studying phonetics and like how people speak and then how people's brains process that and uh, you're kind of on your own and like running an experiment, and so not only would you have to like design the experiment, you'd also have to like get participants in to like read from a microphone or whatever, and then you'd have to analyze the data. So I'd have to like learn Python overnight, enable to be able to like take you know ten thousand spreadsheets and do some data analysis, and so like that that sort of put me always in this like, all right, how can I build a thing that does this for me rather than me always just like manually doing it and I think um, especially with the rise of AI there you go brought it back Um, especially with AI now like writing is going to be easy for everyone to do and so as a content marketer you have to get more in this like builder mindset of like how do I how do I connect tools together or how do I um, how do I skip some of these steps that I'm doing right now or like if I'm doing something every single day how do I just automate that and so I think that has been my sort of personal power-up That's helped me.
0: It's almost like playing with Lego. You're like trying to connect information together or tools. Like that's more like the content ops or marketing ops piece, which is super important, especially for trackability or like making sure things flow well with each other.
1: Yeah, and the creative side matters too. But I think like, I don't know, I I feel like you, you hit like a creative peak faster and then like the growth from that later comes from like building things or, you know, leadership skills or things like that. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think it's like, don't, don't be a one trick pony. Like try to, try to, um, yeah, have like a a broad base of skills and then, and then look for like efficiencies and, uh, yeah, tool workflows and things like that.
0: I think another word I, I would say around the, you mentioned builder would be like having like, um, entrepreneurial mindset, like almost like, mm-hmm. hey, if I can improve this, I'm going to do it, you know, essentially rather than, you know, it's, that's not my job, <laughs> you know, yeah, like it's exactly. not my job to improve that thing. If I can find like a better process or like a better way to connect things with each other, then I will figure that out and, you know, being resourceful about it rather than like waiting for somebody to, to do it for me, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we recently had a guest on our podcast. Her name is uh, Dini. She was the CRO of Lattice, and um, we asked her like, "What was the uh, like? How do you go from like a sales manager to being like a C-suite level leader?" And she's like, "The difference between being like a mid-senior manager and like on the board of a company is to be you have to be like a total company leader, not just a sales leader." And I think of that all the time in my role of like yeah, okay, I'm a content marketer, but like, how do I embed myself in more with the product team or more with the sales team or more with, you know, leadership? And then what like pieces can I connect like you're saying that makes me more valuable or like another version of that is like, okay, yeah, I want to like produce content on a regular basis, but I like, I want to make the company money so that we're all successful. Like I'm more successful. Um, and you know, how can I, how can i make myself worth 2 3 times more than i am so that everyone wins right and and then that's when you see promotions or or better job offers things like that right it's it's not just like doing the job you're given it's like adding value on top of that
0: it's so good for like how do you see yourself beyond just content or creative you're like trying to really see yourself as a contributor to Success of the organization or a company. Essentially, yeah. There. And I
1: don't always do it perfectly, but it's something you know. It's a mindset you have to take.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe, and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design and thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a Powered Update.
1: Marketing